1: Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers podcast. My name is Cami Bell uh, and always at the end of the week I am here with you with your extra show uh, which is going to preview an upcoming game at the weekend and I'm so pleased to be talking to you again because what it means is the international break is finally over. It has felt like 16 months worth of international football but I'm so pleased to tell you that the Rangers are back in action Uh, but that's not the big treat that I've got for you this week folks, the big treat is the person I've got alongside me making uh, his overdue comeback I think on Extra and that's uh, Mr Sexy, Andrew McGowan Andy, thank you for joining me on Extra this week, you will be so pleased that regular proper football is coming back
0: you're right, Cammy, Because I, I can actually handle lockdown pretty easily. I'm no, I'm no too bothered by it. But see, when it's locked in with international football, that is that's hard going. I've got to say, it really is. So,
1: somebody should, somebody good. should just say, look, you know, restrictions are hard enough. You can't go. You can't see MD. You know, you can't walk within six meters of people and all the rest of it. Let's not just make it even worse and compile it when with national football. Exactly. I know. <laughs>
0: It's just an exercise in watching games, making sure our players don't get injured. That's what it is, basically.
1: That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Although, like you say, if you are a fan of international football, fair play to you, because, listen, you've had your absolute feast over the last couple of weeks, and it would be completely remiss of us um, not to, uh, as Andy mentioned there, focus on one of our players, and a massive, massive congratulations uh, to Stephen Davis, Andy, becoming the most senior men's UK uh, ever uh, cap player. I don't know how the best way I can pronounce that, uh, but you know what I mean. 126 caps. Um, I, I, listen, let's just call this for what it is. It's a magnificent achievement when you see the players that, that rank alongside them in terms of uh, Peter Shilton, Wayne Rooney, David Beckham, etc. This is a huge achievement and um, really, really great to see the amount of recognition he got uh, for the Northern Ireland game when. Um, he, 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 he got that and I think he's always had his sights set on it he was never going to not get the record if that makes sense um, but to be able to play for that longevity to play without you know, a serious injury thankfully never stopping you being able to come into it but you can tell how much he loves playing for his country and he'll never be one to you know, step out of international squads just to take it a little bit easier he'll always want to compete for his country uh, and a magnificent servant to both international and club football
0: Aye, and, th- and that's the bit that I think sticks out for me is that at 36 years of age, you know, players start to think about stepping away from the international scene and concentrating their club career, um, particularly when they're playing at level we're playing and there's European games and everything else. But uh, I think it's a measure of Stephen Davis's p- patriotism, I don't know if that's a word, but his, his uh, commitment to Northern Irish football, because they obviously have a, a limited number of top class players um, to choose from. So he's, he's ever important to him. So uh, 126 caps in this day and age is, is phenomenal. Um, I think we've seen something in Stephen Davis that even we didn't know this year because we knew what a good player he was in his first time round at Rangers and coming back Along with McGregor, there's a kind of sense of unfinished business, and by Christ, they've have rose to the occasion because he's been absolutely sublime this year. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I know he's he's got another year, but the way he plays, he's never ever had pace. He's reading the game so fantastic. Um, injury, Walland, and I think you can squeeze another couple of years out of Stephen Davis. Maybe not always at Rangers, but at a high level, he's going to be playing football
1: until until it's uh, physically no possible for him. I think the thing that I love about him more than anything else is, you say, it, it's not about pace. It doesn't have. bit. he's reading in the game is second to none. Um, but I think that what all of his teammates, and again, like you say, at Rangers and also for Northern Ireland, will appreciate is, he's always available to take the ball. I watched the game against Bulgaria. I kind of watched more of that. If I'm being perfectly honest, I did the Scotland game. I was kind of flicking between the two, but I was staying mostly on um, on on the Northern Ireland game. And um, it, it just always, always open always available and like to be able to try and if he has to take the ball off you maybe you need a little bit of a breather or to get yourself out of trouble if you've ran into a cul-de-sac or whatever, he'll take the ball off you, if you need it back he'll give it back to you if he looks up to be able to try and find someone he'll do that too um, and you're right about the pace but like you say from a, from a perspective of what he can cover across um, you know the 90 minutes it's the old cliche and I'm sorry for using it folks because I know we do it a lot of time but he will cover every blade of grass in the park uh, because, like you say, he'll always make that movement for his teammates, and um, I, I, just a, an exceptional footballing brain, if that makes sense.
0: Aye, he's he's got a perfect balance between um, football intelligence, fitness, technique, um, ability, and top of that technique and creativity. He's he's a fantastic midfield player. And uh, I mean, I, I thought that when we signed him way back in whenever it was two thousand eight, when, when we signed him, wasn't it? We got him on loan, and I thought by even back then, just we, we knew about him, because um, he hadn't really kind of burst the scene down south, but he was known as a good player. Um, I remember back then thinking and saying at my palace, that really good signing we've got on loan, and we'll be extremely lucky if he extends it to a permanent deal. So the fact that we had that, we enjoyed them then, and obviously twenty twelve happened. But the fact that we've managed to get him back and benefit for that, that, that kind of, all, all the things I was just mentioning, it's a bit of a blessing. It really is that we've been lucky to get him twice, and in that space of time, there's no been a, he's actually get better, if anything. He's a vintage wine, he's just get better and better and better. And even when he played down south with Southampton, I used to watch him, and he, he absolutely held his own in supposedly the best league in the world. He didn't look at a place. So, a top professional, top footballer. Really interested to see if he stays on the Rangers in, in a further capacity once he's playing careers finished because he, he seems an asset in that sense. And um, while well, we're rolling about in cliches, Cammy, the other cliche is that if you're a young football player, regardless of your position, watching him, you can learn so much because I, I used to watch him off the ball when, when we remember the good old days when we used to go to the games? And, and yeah, he's, remember that,
1: he's,
0: yeah. <laughs> he's reading of the game is uh, something that somebody uses as a throwaway kind of phrase. Somebody can read the game, but his intelligence, and they would just pop up and break things up and intercept, it was exceptional. Sometimes you couldn't even see it coming. He was brilliant.
1: No, and and, and it, it must be just phenomenal for players to, to not only play alongside that because you've got that support, but exactly as you're saying there. And, and listen, it's not for the young pups either. It's not the kids who are going to be able to see this and just get the benefit of that. Uh, you know uh, uh, you know that development it'll be the players who are playing alongside him right now and you can tell that he will help bring those other players along to it and listen as far as i'm concerned you know whilst we are uh, very fortunate to have a lot of captain material through through the first team at Rangers stephen davis absolutely stands within that regard i think he's very very much um you know seen as uh, one of the senior players with an opinion to be respected so uh
0: he's also up get the best sponsor
1: Yes, he has. Yes, he has with our, our good sales here at Heart and Hand as well. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what, Andy? I'm just so pleased that we've managed to lift the curse of the Heart and Hand sponsorship. So the fact that he's came back, he's won 55, he's now got the the uh, the men's caps record. Uh, I think that we're directly responsible for it. I mean, I know that we're seeing he's a good player and all that kind of thing, but I've got to feel as if we are... The, the major piece of that that puzzle that's just fitted in there and it's all kind of came good for him Slip like Billy's Boots,
0: remember that old cartoon stuff? <laughs> oh, yeah yeah. Like
1: Billy's Boots, it's Stevie's Sponsors Yeah, yeah, Stevie's Sponsors and uh, listen, I'm absolutely sure that, um, you know, Dave and Edgar will allow us the opportunity to come round and see you shut at the end of the season uh, um, you know, maybe come around and have a look, like the Mona Lisa, do you know what I mean? You can come in and have a look at it, and then like five minutes in the living room, and then you're out the door, and then the next person kind of comes in. So, yeah, so we'll see what happens. But um, you did mention another name there, and uh, certainly someone who I think that we've kind of put in a similar bracket with Stephen Davis, and that's Alan McGregor, who um, on Thursday confirmed that he has now signed a new deal, which is going to keep him at Ibrox until the summer of 2022. Now, and the the manager had mentioned uh, in a press conference. It was a number of weeks ago. The you know the contract situation came up because you know Al McGregor has has probably had one of his finest ever seasons, and for a player of his quality and his talent, and certainly you know what he's produced for Rangers, that's you know a very very bold but true statement. And uh, the manager had said, you know, if he wants to sign another extension, I want him to stay. And It's refreshing because normally when you hear about player contracts and, you know, if they'll re-sign or whatever else as well, it's very much a, you know, yeah, parties are talking and blah, 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 what have you. Uh, But the manager was open. He just said, absolutely, you know, I want him to stay. Uh, The the deal is on the table if he wants to consider it. We'll sit down and have a talk about it. The news came out on the Rangers' website um, on Thursday to say that, you know, he, he thought about the deal thought that his body could allow him to go through it, was happy to sign. This feels to me like this has been maybe a 10 or 15-minute conversation, if I'm being perfectly honest. And I could almost see it as something that is so simple as just the manager and McGregor sitting there talking about what what we want to try and achieve, talking about you know the, the potential of the Champions League, uh, being able to try and play in that, uh, which, again, like you say, a player of his age being able to play within that tournament, um, some would question it. I wouldn't because I think he's one of the finest goalkeepers in Great Britain as it stands right now today. Um, but brilliant but to see him get that extension. Al McGregor is a legend, right? And I love the way he goes about things. I love the fact that you know when you saw him, and, and I go back to what I said before about the kind of captain esque material. You remember the the interview after Hamilton Aki's you remember that it doesn't matter whether or not I pull off saves or whatever else, it's a we don't get the three points, it doesn't matter. And there's just something in him which has obviously been ingrained in him from such a young age of being involved at the club. But you're talking about a winner, you're talking about someone who does not let standards drop. I think Steven Gerrard looks at him and just probably sees a lot of himself in Alan McGregor. In terms of you know where he understands, he will not allow him to be able to try and have an off day, and such a steadfast approach on winning things, um, whether that's a game, whether that's you know a cup tie, whether that's a league, whether that's you know getting as far as we can within Europe, everything's about maintaining a standard. And listen, I, I, I think a contract extension is is um, more uh, than deserved for Al McGregor. He's been one of our top players of the season. So the, the
0: the whole squad has has performed at a super high level this year, and uh, the biggest problem we would have had if McGregor hadn't signed a new deal or called it a day or moved somebody else would have been replacing him because he's um there's been season defining saves. He's had that that save against uh, Griffiths at, at New Year was a season defining save because that goes on the other side of the post. We could be looking at a different season. And uh, it's big moments like that that define big players. And it's even more pronounced when it's a goalkeeper. So uh, the fact they sign on for another year is is great news because it just shuffles that particular problem down the line for another year. We've got, I mean, we've got McLaughlin. McLaughlin was very, very able in the, in the games that he played at the start of the season. But I don't think it's any mystery to say that there would be a drop down in overall levels, that's a fact because if it wasn't there, then McLaughlin, when he was in a reserve keeper would be playing somewhere else, as a first choice so I signing McGregor, is fantastic, it's again credit to, to a guy who I love we all laugh and joke about him and his, his, his ways and he he must be a supreme professional because I don't I don't know, what are you doing, Cammy?
1: I am just turned the ripe old age of 40 Oh, fuck it, 40? Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. put on Holy fuck, <laughs> Well, uh, the reason I ask that is because when I was 39, I used to get up in the morning. And I used to I, I'd look like the curse of a mummy. I was that decrepit, and I could hardly get my socks on. So for him to be playing at this level and, and doing what he does on a regular basis at 39 is total credit to his professionalism. And and the way he's, he's he's run his career because it doesn't happen by accident. That's no something that you just carry on and you get away with. It. You don't get away with. It. It, I thought when he came back to Rangers the second time, and he looked as lean as I'd ever seen him to the point where I thought he looked too lean. He looked like a wee skinny Malink. And uh, as, as we know, Cammy, the older you get, the harder that becomes to achieve. So, um, aye, what a guy, what a character. Uh, I pertimes he's what a winner is. And do you know something? He's uh, he's he's done the unthinkable. He's he's put a question mark over Gorham as the greatest ever goalkeeper in the modern era, and that's saying something.
1: I, I think. Do you know what? I, I really really believe that. I really believe he's he's. If, I think you could find people who are saying that he's probably surpassed Gorham in terms of what he's done with. I mean, and the other thing is as well. You mentioned the Griffiths age. You go back to you know, the 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 save from the, the the header at the corner across in in Prague. Um, there's been a whole host of other saves. I mean, I won't take up loads of time within the show being able to kind of recall them, but this isn't a new thing. And what's been interesting as well, Andy, is I know that we've spoken a lot about how magnificent we've been this season, which is totally deserved, right? No one's going to argue against that. Um, and how much we've obviously focused on being able to, to to look at the clean sheets. It's like as if, you know, we, we might, beat Hamilton Akies 8-0, but the manager's still going to turn and go, Yeah, and we kept the clean sheet. You can see as to how yes. high up it is in his list of priorities. Yes. But I'll go back further than you know this 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 season in terms of uh you know when I think about the game at Parkhead when you know the penalty save mm-hmm. what what he's what he's kept in that and it's like as if he's kind of thought there's been a degree of responsibility where I think he has helped his defenders in front of him because he's shown them Not just this season, but seasons before, this is the level. This is what I expect of me, and this is what I expect of our back line. And that's what you'll do. And listen, you know, MD, and, and, you know, listen, I know I made a joke about it before about, you know, the the fact we can't get into games. If you had to get a benefit of of watching games um, that are being played behind closed doors, all you'll hear is Alan McGregor. He shouts at his players. He shouts at opponents, he shouts at referees, shouts at referees a bit more. After that, he shouts at referees again. But he just has a standard of professionalism that he will not allow to to drop. And, you know, he's going to be that kind of guy. Like, uh, I'm not a huge fan of goalkeepers being captains. But I'll tell you one thing, Andy. See, from a perspective of not allowing anyone to have an off day, of demanding everyone to be at their top, I think that you've got some brilliant uh, examples of that from Alan McGregor across the last couple of years.
0: Nah, you're spoiling, and, and just like any team, whether it's in the workplace or in sport, somebody somewhere has to set the tone and everything follows for that. And I think well, we spoke about Davis being a, a, a kind of captain with the armband. McGregor's another captain with the armband. Goldson's another captain with the armband. But then you're seen, you've seen folk like Borna Barisic grow into being a Rangers player because when you think back to the likes of how he used to be, he was, for me at the start of his career, Rangers, he was a weak link, but playing in a dressing room with guys like McGregor, setting the tone, you know that you would have to either sink or swim and I think the likes of Barisic has greatly benefited for that intensity, that expectation. And the fact that you can't even drop it, even for a, a even when you're three, four nothing up. So, now nah, he's been a fantastic player for us this season, last season as well, and and his first time round at Rangers. You know, when you think the circumstances that go in in the first team, th- those circumstances don't come round very often. You know, you've got a manager on on his arse, You've got the goalkeeper he signed probably the worst goal ever seen play for Rangers and Letizia. And and the kind of issue was forced that McGregor went into the team and he's never looked back for that. And that in itself is a measure of the guy. And that was when, what age was he then? You know, tw- 26 something like that? I
1: was going to say, yeah. i 25, I thought, I. Aye.
0: So, so ever since he's come into the Rangers first team, he's grabbed the opportunity, he's had a standard. I can think of maybe two, two howlers mistakes, I can think of. Um, but uh, he's... Uh, for the modern era, the, the, the kids that are seeing him just now, it gives them a, a flavour of what we've seen under Gorham. um. Because when you've got a player that can make such a significant difference over the course of a season, that can be the difference between winning and losing that league title.
1: Also, that is his hair, Andy. So, is you he? know, just between. Oh, of course he has. Did you not see him in the St. Mirren game?
0: Well, yeah, there's happened. definitely
1: some just for men that's come out there. So that was going to be my question: was between you and I and whoever happens to be listening to this, uh, has that been something that the young Andy McGowan has tried to to, to go through in terms of doing a wee bit of uh, touch up? Well, because d- you must you must have had highlights. I'm almost certain I have some I've pictures had, I've of with highlights.
0: i I had highlights. I had highlights. But see, I was I'm a strawberry blonde. That's a technical term. And autumn
1: sunset. That's what they call us, Andy.
0: Sunset. I do, I don't know. You're you're probably a ginger, me But so aye, yes, I yes, <laughs> I, ha- I have dabbled in the highlight area, but I'm too old for that new. And also, I'm getting a wee bit of the Gordon Stracking And my my ginger's going white, but it looks a wee bit more blonde than usual. So I don't need to date me So uh, I don't think I'll ever be a silver fox. But you, I mean, you're quite a coarse ginger, Tammy. You know, you're no, you're not one of the nice gingers. You're one of the guys that looks like a you know a, 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 a harsh ginger, isn't you?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I like it. That's 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 kind of the look I've kind of gone for. But I, I can't blame McGregor for dying here because, especially immediately before St. Mirren, because he knew he was going to get his photo taken with a big, massive, nice, shiny trophy in the coming weeks. So, uh, yeah, you knew that was that was probably one eye on the prize at that point as well. Andy, before we uh, we look into this weekend's gaming, as I say, the the return to, uh, of Rangers that we're all eager looking for. There was also some news which came out on Thursday uh, regarding a share issue, which uh, which came out <clears> stuff <throat> as well. You are our heart and hand uh, resident financial guru. Um, give us a little bit of a kind of uh, breakdown of of what that news meant to us. So
0: I've I've had a wee look at it. Um, it, it's, you have to decipher it because there's been no official press releases or anything like that but what I can see is that in, in, since April 2020 there's been about 21, 21.5 million pounds come in from uh, investors and you don't really know the makeup of that until Rangers update the register or the investor inf- information on their, on their website which they did today so what we could see is that um, the significant news was that Stuart Gibson, who's the expat Scott, it's over in uh, the Far East. I don't know if he's Hong Kong based or if it's uh, Japan. I, think
1: it, I think it is Hong Kong,
0: is it? So, So yeah. he's, he's had 15 million new shares issued, which is a comment of three million pounds. I have to confess that I'm not sure if that's uh, debt for equity, but I think it's new cash. I'm hoping some of our more learned listeners will be able to correct us. So, Stuart Gibson's increased his shareholding. That takes him to the fourth biggest shareholder at Rangers. George Taylor, who um, has been a longstanding investor, one of the original guys, and somebody we owe a lot to, he has went up uh, a, a wee percent and a half nearly. He's taken on seven and a half million new shares. That's one and a half million new cash. And then George Latham, who, again, a guy I've got a lot of respect for, he's up a fairly minuscule percentage but it's two and a half million new shares which is about 500 grand of cash so we um, obviously like most clubs the pandemic is going to have a fairly ravaging effect on finances and it's fairly pronounced was, or it will be fairly pronounced was because we were running a model where there was a, 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 a kind of definite and um anticipated loss because we're in a as i've said in previous pods i've kind of painted it as an accelerated growth where you're you're basically investing to accelerate the company the business the football club and you'll worry about the debt later but that debt will be addressed by um, either new investors but the end game is that the club is in the position it should be and it's a self-perpetuating self-perpetuating success because you, you, you accelerate the club back to where it should be and in doing so, you should get the rewards that come with it. And, and to be honest, not an easy thing to do in football because if if you look at a number of people invest in football clubs and, and have that very plan in place where they think, we'll spend a bit of money, we'll get the club up to a standard, we'll reap the rewards, Disney work like that. Maybe a wee bit easier in Scotland because you've, get, you've only got two horses in the race, so to speak, but still, we had a massive, massive... Uh, gap to close in terms of catching up with Celtic, so it wasn't without risk. So we're going to have um, uh, a loss, we would have had a loss normally, but it's going to be exacerbated by uh, the COVID impact, which is significant. There's no getting away from it. We will not be insulated by any way. And if you take the European football, just as an example, there's, I don't know, 10 million quid of gate receipts that that haven't come in. So uh, we know from the last books, are the last accounts that um, two of our directors, John Bennett and Douglas Park, have effectively committed to to meet the projected shortfall. I can't remember exactly that from memory, I think it was about 14 million quid between them. And this, and this is my opinion, but I think you'd need to be pretty harsh, cynical, and uh, perhaps biased to not agree with it. These are not um things that are done that we should take for granted this this is fairly huge these are significant events in the history the 150 year history of rangers that we've got guys um in our boardroom who are not only fans but investors and they're willing to back the club and cover losses and cover covid losses to this extent because it's it's fairly unheard of you go down south and you look at clubs like Everton. So they've got Mashiri, you've got Chelsea, they've got Abramovich. Um trying to so think who else would be, and that's that's weird. You've got a lot of clubs in the championship um who run at losses and have benefactor owners. Um but they're 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 the exception, um, and they're not always fans. Roman which is not a Chelsea fan, you know. Mashiri is not a Chelsea uh, an Everton fan. We've actually got fans that are doing this. So it can of go on forever. That's the bottom line, and I don't think there's ever a plan for it to go on indefinite. But what we do have majorly in our favour, and what does make us fairly unique, is that we're no longer um, enthralled to a single shareholder who, who we have to rely on for these kind of... Um, I was going to say gestures, but it's more than a gesture. We've got a a nice wee pocket of directors, investors, who look as if they're pulling the same direction, who are very much willing to put their their money where their mouth is in terms of the shares, and uh, who have walked the walk, as I always say. So, um, in short, this, this this is brilliant. This is something that every club wishes they had in this time. Um, it'll be very interesting to see our counterparts across the city if their shareholder, major shareholder does similar. I don't think he will, right? <laughs> so they, they I'm expecting them to exit COVID with a lot of debt, a lot of external debt. They've no they've no increased their, their uh, thirty million overdraft with the co op for nothing. So um, we should all things being equal, if the projections are correct by our board come out of this fairly intact in terms of minimal or negligible external debt. Uh, and that is an utterly spectacular result if it comes to pass if we get out of COVID in that position. So so we have we have a lot, and I don't like to sound sycophantic here, but I will call it out when I see it. This is not something that we should be taking for granted. I think it's something that the fan base need to realise. That we've put our money where our mouth is obviously as a fan support. These guys have done that as well. Uh, they may have deeper pockets than me and you some folk may argue it's all relative I I say it's a wee bit more than that I
1: think it's utterly magnificent Well one thing that I wanted to kind of ask you about because and you're absolutely right and I I can agree with you more in terms of uh, you know and I I fought against the Rangers board for a very very long time and nothing fills my heart more with joy than seeing a board who are absolutely cohesive in terms of their vision for what they see within the club where they think the club can go um, having to to right so many wrongs of the the absolute shit show that they walked into, but I wanted to kind of just swing back as we mentioned as well with guys like Stuart Gibson, because Gibson um, obviously came in a few months ago uh, and 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 put in some kind of initial capital within the club. Andy, with your kind of background and obviously your kind of awareness within this space as well, do you think that you know Gibson himself directly or potentially other? you know, prospective, you know, know, uh, shareholders might come into this and and, and be able to try and invest within the club. Because of COVID, do you think that they are then positioned in such a way of saying, like, there's an initial investment, we will probably need further investment down the road, what that will look like will be roughly, you know, A to B to C, something like that, some sort of kind of range of figures. But they know that it's not a one-time deal, is probably what I'm trying to say, in terms of, we will have to, to to almost share the pain slightly, because as you're right in saying, Douglas Park and John Bennett, I think, took a major chunk of it. Uh, we've got other guys who have who have done this within the last couple of days. Um, and do you think it's going to set for them to say, look, you know, in order for us to be able to try and get to it, we're, we're going to have to probably dip in every now and again to be able to try and get that shortfall back up? Because I think that people, it's been really difficult for people, I think, to kind of comprehend how much... Uh, behind closed doors is for European games as you say because that's money you're buying on top of your season ticket that money doesn't go into the club because everybody's watching it on the TV um, the, the gate receipts are one thing but it's you know the actual I want to say on the on the night investment you know what I'm saying the kiosks and all of that kind of stuff the programmes all that kind of thing as well um, but do you think these guys are saying you know this is going to be a Covid stretch which is going to hit us probably for the next couple of years
0: so the dynamics of this, and this is only my opinion because I'm, no, I'm looking through the keyhole as opposed to being in the room, but the dynamics of this is that um, nobody knew about COVID. Nobody knew that was going to come. So there, when these guys come in the tent to become investor shareholders, largely, as I can I sense, corralled originally by Dave King, which I give him great credit for because there's nothing harder than corralling Investors and entrepreneurial-minded people who have great ideas in their own right very, very hard to then get a common focus and a direction with that and keep it.
1: But even so, even more so, even more so in a footballing arena, of course, because of it's a football club. Do I you mean it's like it's like a bottomless yep. pit of money?
0: Aye, and and we had we had a very serious need to stay the course. You know, how how easy would it have been for somebody or two people that are closer than others to to kind of fall out the rank and say, well, actually, I think Gerald needs to go or you know, there's a, a direction I don't like here. There's been a, <clears throat> whether that's the truth or no, we don't know because it's been closed doors. But I think the, the sense I get is that there's been a kind of unified vision um, and they've all followed that. So the, that, that dynamic means that when, when they come to that table and you say, I'm going to be an investor, you need to, these guys are savvy enough to know that they could put money in today, but they know there's going to be further share issues. They know that they might not be participating, and they therefore know that one of the risks that they run is that their shareholding might be diluted. Right now, that's happening to be used as individual shareholders, but we don't give a toss because we're not in it for for um, financial gain. It's a sentimental uh, investment there, but that principle is what is causing Club Eighteen Seventy Two problems because they're obviously a large shareholder. Their shareholding gets diluted every time this kind of thing happens. It's hardly this has hardly affected them since the last time, but um, th- these guys know that if they put it into the club once, the chances are that they'll probably need to do it again, and if they don't, then effectively they're going to see their shareholding uh, diluted. So uh, there, there, there must be an understanding for these guys. These guys aren't the stupid. They wouldn't be in this position, Cami, to put the money in. Um, without understanding the mechanics and the the nuances of being a a shareholder at that level. So um, I think COVID's been a major spanner in the works for every single business in the world. I don't think that's any news to anybody, and we would be no different. And um, this is why, with a kind of diversity of investors, we've kind of got a good safeguard against this. Now, I I keep repeating that it can't go on indefinitely, just canny. Right, it, it, but it can go on for as long as your investors have a desire to do it. Right, so how do, how, what do, I don't know how long that'll be. I don't know how, how deep their pockets are. I don't know how deep their desire is, or, or what. So, um, but common sense tells you it can't go on forever. And and also, we look as if at some point we're going to be back to a, a self financing club. Certainly, if we get into Champions League next year, or if if the the player sale and buy model gets to where it should be, we should be quite, you know, breaking even or or over a three year period breaking even. So uh it's a it's a, a very strange dynamic. I'm very interested in it because as you say, Cammy, I'm in the sphere. I'm nowhere near the level of these guys, but um I do see that uh, it could be that Josh Latham, for example, is just taking on the new shares just to make sure his, his money doesn't get uh, diluted. You know, and there there is also, if you're being cynical but honest, they're getting the shares. I think they get the shares at 20 pence, which isn't a bad price, you know. I sold some of my shares for the Charles Green issue at 90 pence. So, um, you know, that they're, they're, they're good investments because this is a, a, a business, a company, a football club, on the up and up. Um, And although it's hard to make money for football, you can do it if it's done properly. It's been proven. So, no, I, I like what I see. I, I think we've got a, a very hybrid model because we don't really want to go back to a, a sugar daddy model. I think that is something that any savvy Rangers fan knows we can't go back to because that's that's a recipe for disaster. And, and if we do that willingly, then we've learned nothing. But what we've got here, as I say, is a hybrid where you've got you've got sugar daddies, you know, you've got plural, um, but it's not excessive, it's not reckless, um, it's measured, it's designed. And there seems to be a, a vision across all of them, which I think, is ve- a, a repeat, I think that's extremely unique. You just need to look at Arsenal, for example. They had two shareholders at one time, Kronkia and uh, the Russian guy, Usmanov. They two they couldn't share a vision. They, they, I mean, they could have pulled their money and be the biggest club in uh, in England if they'd really had a, a unified vision and wanted to pull their, their, uh, their resources. Couldn't even do that. So you get egos in boardrooms that, that pull... Any good intentions apart, so it's massive credit to these guys. I think Dave King done a great job in the first instance, particularly with the, the battle with Ashley. I think Douglas Park stepped into the breach and realised and does the same thing. Um, it's massive credit to these guys.
1: Yeah, and and I echo what what John Bennett said. Um, you know the, the the turn of last year when we're talking about the AGM about there's two numbers that matter and that's 150 and 55 and he's already achieved one of them. So um, I think, I think the big thing that I would probably say as well with that, and as you say about the, the sugar daddies, if you will, is the, the immediate term that comes to my mind is safeguard. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody decides to fold up the tent, you know, the whole circus doesn't leave town. It doesn't work like that now. And, yep. um, and as you say, when you're talking about individual shareholders who, and listen, you mentioned our friends across the city, you know, if you read his most recent interview with the club, not a happy camper, you know, if you decided look, you know, this is me, I'm out of here, then as you say, the, uh, we've already collapsed the, the house made of cards, but it could get mm-hmm. even worse than that, you know, so yeah, very, very interesting, and thank you, because again, like you say, it's always great to get your insight on it, and um, I know I can speak for everybody who listens to this to say that you're, you're absolutely trustworthy and been able to try and give us it as how you see it, and uh, we can always rely on you to be able to do that. Um, let's get into the, the 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 proper stuff, Andy. We've got the return of Rangers on Sunday at six thirty, uh, where the Scottish uh, the Scottish Cup has finally been able to try and rear its head. Um, you know, beginning of April uh, for us to be able to try and start the tournament, which is just a, another you know weird abnormal thing that's happened across this kind of crazy season. Uh, but we kick it off against Paul Hartley's Cove Rangers. Um, a good opportunity, I think, Andy, for uh, some of our players uh, on the periphery of the squad, the first 11, to be able to try and come in and state their claim. I'm talking about guys, you know, like Scott Wright, who I think has done very well and what we've seen in him so far. I'd like to see him get a, a good amount of time under his belt. Um, if Jermaine Defoe is fit um, and we've got other options that we can kind of come in and stuff as well, then we can use the squad a bit more sparingly. I do think that we will see the aforementioned John McLaughlin. Yeah. Um, what I want to probably talk about a little bit more, rather than just kind of focus necessarily on Cove, because I think that, well, I hope, certainly the game will take care of ourselves with all due respect to Cove Rangers. But it's more just the fact that I think that this is going to give us an opportunity to address what has been a difficult couple of weeks, obviously, with elimination from um, the Europa League by sons of bitches, uh, Slavia Prague. Um, and we're not used to losing. And listen, that's an incredibly cocky thing to say. But you understand what I mean when I say it. We are not used to losing games because we've performed so magnificently domestically this season and uh, in the European stages uh, up until, as I say, the, the 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 last couple of ties. What I want to probably use the Scottish Cup for, Andy, and, and how we can kind of get into it, we know with the league already in the bag, uh, we've got a series of, of of friendlies, really, that I would expect us to be able to try and, as I say, use our, our kind of resource sparingly. Um, I would like to believe that the Scottish Cup is going to give us the opportunity to get a bit of fire back in the belly and uh, we don't have any more significant breaks between now and the end of the season um, I would like us to to, to go out all guns blazing and um, to be able to finish the season on a double would just be absolutely magnificent
0: Yeah but I think no matter what happens for here on in we've had a memorable, a memorable season, that will live long and uh, we'll go down in history but there will be a wee sting if we don't win the Scottish Cup. I've got to say that because what what if you if you'd said it's the early season. I've said this before. Right, doing what you want to happen, to, what you want to happen this season, you couldn't have wrote, written it. And if you'd said to us, right, well, you're going to win the league before the break. You're going to then have an international break. You're then going to have your first game back in the first round of the Scottish Cup against Cove Rangers. After that, international break, and then there's going to be a fairly intense, condensed. Run at the end of the season, which will include the the Scottish Cup. You you, you can't really ask more than that. The only the only we flying ointment has really been the uh, the bans for parts and Bassi uh, and Zungu because we could probably use them particularly on Sunday. So I, I like how this is shaping up because what I would like to think Rangers are doing here is is shaping up for a mini season, the last the last boss, the last sprint, if you want. Um, I think at some point we will drop points. I hope we don't because I think it'd be a nice thing to get through the season unbeaten. But in the league, I think it's only natural that we'll, we'll rotate a wee bit. I think it's only natural that there might be a wee dip in uh, that drive and intensity we've seen because let's face it, it's been it's been hyper this year. It's been really really good. I can't of them for it, Um but the Scottish Cup is there. So so really if we beat Celtic in the Scottish Cup I think we win it I think it's as simple as that I might be being totally disrespectful to other teams there but um, I think it's it's there and it's all to, all to go for Celtic will be looking at it as a a major chance for redemption so they, they will be highly driven they, their players will be looking at the games remaining now to to show whoever it is that comes in <clears throat> what they can do so they're basically fighting for their futures well the ones that are on their known are on the on the ready to leave. So that's about four of them. <laughs> <laughs> so but really um I would like to see Rangers just absolutely underline this season as a utterly like, magnificent season by getting a Scottish Cup um going for zero to two trophies in one season would be would be brilliant for Gerard. And and then Sunday, uh, I agree with you, Cammy, I mean, this, sh- this should that should be fairly routine. Um I'm interested to see who plays because I think, again, as I say, I think part and some would have played, I am desperate to see Scott Wright cement on this team because I, I obviously have a reputation for over-inflating expectations with players, but I, I think this wee guy could is, um uh another Kent who on the right-hand side. So so what I mean by that, what I'm looking forward to seeing is see how Kent makes these runs and and i will put a diagonal where he sees. So it's very hard to defend against because it's in between the full-back and the centre half. It's from deep. It's it's fucking poison to to opposition teams. I think we rate can do that and more because his pace is fantastic. And he seems quite intelligent. So I, I'm I'm looking for him to come in on Sunday, shows what he's got, and make himself a, a, more than just a sub. I, I want to see him start to get into the first team and shows what he's made there because I think he's got huge amounts of. Ability and a lot to offer to Rangers. I think we've got a bargain in that, boy. I really do. I
1: think, yeah, I I would totally agree with that. I think what we would, I think what we can see from them, because it's a really difficult dynamic when you think about it in terms of what, you know, a guy like Scott Wright can do at the moment. And what I mean by that is, you know, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that as you're saying, if we're going to drop points, what you mean is we might drop points to a draw, we're not going to lose the unbeaten record. In the league, um, but those games will, will I mean they'll just box ticks. And I even include the Old Farm game in that. I know, yes, it's Celtic and all the that. rest of it and all that kind of thing as well. But see, by and large, I couldn't really give a shit about Celtic. I couldn't care about any of the of the teams that we're going to end up playing. The only thing that I was annoyed about was that we end up going away to that shitty pitch in Livingston again. But what I, what, what I mean by that is it's going to feel a bit like as if the tempo is going to be different when you go for a cup to league. If, if you know what I mean. And yes. what what my, what my hope is that, and listen, I think you're totally right. What I would say to Scott Wright at the moment would be think about how you can use the Scottish Cup as your opportunity to put yourself in there and put yourself in the, in the, in the manager's thoughts for next season. And, you know, we, we know that there's going to be a bit of, kind of horse trading goes on because of the Euros and, the, you know, the, the summer transfer window. How that will look, you know, no one knows at the moment because we don't know if, you know, certain players might have a really good tournament. They may leave in the back of that. We may sell players who potentially we were, were planning on 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 selling anyway. We don't, again, as I say, we don't know what that will look like. But what I'm hoping is that, you know, if the manager can sit down with them and say, look, you know, this is your opportunity. Get into the first team. If you get that 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 shut, keep a hoddy it, make sure that you can kind of make yourself... Um, almost to a certain extent undroppable as much as you possibly can because like you said I don't want them going to hear them scare them in in the domestic league games because like you say you can definitely stand out in them the cup I think everyone is going to be properly motivated for I I genuinely think and I hate coming across as, as arrogant or cocky when I say this but I actually think Andy the only team that can beat Rangers at that Scottish Cup is Rangers and what I mean by that is if our mentality is not there, if we have a bit of an off night and listen, you know, we can go back to Paisley we can talk about the League Cup and all the rest of it, but I think if we go in there and we've absolutely got our, our mentality cemented and we get that, it's like that bloodthirst. You know what we had when we were going through those league games, those really difficult wins, you know, again, away to Livingston, being able to get over the line and just making sure that we could get something out the back of it. If we could get that in the Scottish Cup, then I think we've got a very, very, very good chance of being able to try and get it this year.
0: I, I agree. I, I think that I think it's going to be natural that we see a laser focus in the cup, which might translate as a drop in intensity in the league games. And and and, and, and I mean, you spoke about Paisley there. The Paisley came about not because there was a drop in intensity. There was a drop in personnel standards. Even just bringing in Zungu and Bassey, uh and getting some running on on their best night. Um, that wee difference was enough to tip the balance so I think you might see that in some of the league games but um, as long as we're in the cup I think and rightly so the focus will be there because let's be honest if we're being professional about this then that is the priority I, I mean we've watched the, some of the greatest Rangers teams of all time win leagues and then get beat I remember getting beat on Celtic with Billy Thompson goals because the league was by. it means nothing right I, I know folks say an old firm game never means nothing but um, it does. It does at a stage. To be honest, because it, it doesn't mean that much at all. Um, so now nah, let's go for it. Let's go for the throw. Let's make it a season to well as a season to remember. But let's let's just underline the superiority that we really deserve this year. Let's give Celtic nothing in terms of um, a light at the end of a very dark tunnel. They've been through this year. Uh, let, let's go for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's go for it as a mantra, which we can also pass across to the Rangers women's team um, as they are back in action um, on Sunday, uh, where they'll be heading through to Edinburgh to play against Hearts. Uh, Andy, uh, this is the first Rangers women's team um, game that they've been able to try to arrange in three months because of all the COVID restrictions. Um, my heart really does go out to the Rangers women for the very simple reason that we've put in such a brilliant infrastructure. We've recruited some phenomenal talent um and we've properly set ourselves up for success and it's just been so stop start because of everything that's going on they'll be chomping at the bit to, to to get the league underway on sunday games on tv as well folks so you'll have the opportunity to uh, to watch that before you um watch the the, the 6 kickoff uh on sundays we take on cove rangers um a wee quick story I want to just tell the listeners. One of our um, Rangers women's uh, experts is David Marshall on our Patreon site on, on uh, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. And uh, David was at the press conference today where, where one of the Rangers women, Kirsty Howitt, was talking about um, you know the men's team winning the league, been able to try and do it. And Andy, there was a great story that David was able to share with us that Kirsty had said she got the videos of the Rangers men's team and it was all put into the women's WhatsApp group and said, This is what we could go for, this is what the standard is, this is what we could achieve if we're able to go for it. Um and it's great to see uh, as I say, the, the game's starting back up again. And I know that the, the women's team will be will be absolutely um, you know, dead set on being able to try and and emulate what the men's team have already set out for them. Aye, there's, um
0: I mean, I, I'll be honest here, I've I've only really got interested to any degree, in women's football since since Rangers started to take it seriously, because I think you'd need to be you need to be fairly ignorant to know know what way the wind's blowing in terms of um, uh, diversity, and inclusion, and that and that is epitomised by women's football. So I know down south that, that they've got some fairly major sponsors, and, and the TV companies are taking an interest in it. And there is a market for it there is an a, an absolute market for it and the bigger the bigger picture is that there's a a huge amount of headroom for growth there so rangers would be i was i was really actually quite delighted to see rangers um take strides last year i think it was when the when the d c p sponsored them and the, there was a commitment to i think a million pounds put towards the, the women's infrastructure but the, but the fo- the women's football has um it's been harshly treated this year just like I think junior football and the lower league football has been very harshly treated. And although it's not like me to ever miss an opportunity to kick the SFA, I think there's, there's got to be questions asked there. I mean, I even seen in the news this evening about a £300,000 kind of rescue package that was put to the SFA from the government. And, and the women's teams are questioning, well, actually, how much did we see this? How was it distributed? So I think um, the SFA have to step up and create the infrastructure that's required for the women's football because uh, even stuff like registration for players stuff like that can be can be take ages and if they want them to get to professional or even semi-professional levels then the infrastructure and the governing body have got to match that so they've got to put money towards it and i know fiona McIntyre, a fellow soul coach person has uh, she's just been appointed head of girls and women's football so i think she's just in a position so she escapes the blame here so um, the the women's football team I watched the Rangers Celtic game because you get my ideas points for it did you remember that man? <laughs> <laughs> I watched the game and, and I actually did watch it I made a point of watching it and I'll be honest I had a few preconceptions utterly blown away uh, mainly being the goalkeepers so I, I would I would be fairly disparaging towards women goalkeepers i seen saves in that game that were, were brilliant absolutely brilliant so can I put my gas at a peep? Uh, and and it, and it's doing things like that, watching the game that you learn. I've got a wee girl as well now, so I've actually got a different aspect on it because I'm like, well, maybe she could play for Rangers. Um, so I wish them all the best. I'm I'm glad to see it start kicking off again. I would like to see uh, Rangers become the prominent team in, in Scotland. I think it's long overdue. And I often looked to Glasgow United and thought or Glasgow City, is it? Glasgow City and say, Glasgow City, and, yeah. Aye, uh, sorry. Glasgow City and said, how how can they do it? How can Rangers know no get there and just make it happen? You know, with all resources and and the draw of being a Rangers, so um, aye, good. And I'm glad it's on the tell I might actually uh, cast my own. Up.
1: Yeah, you won't get any my points for it this time. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's on the it's on the I national do. broadcaster. I do. Uh, I do. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Easy, easy. Uh, you and Chris McLaughlin can sit and watch it together. Um, yeah. Andy, just um, before I, before I let you go, and, and listen, thank you so much for, for coming on this week on Extra. As I say, uh, all joking aside, it's a, it's, a, it's always a pleasure to, to have you on and, and, and listen to your opinion because it's one of the, the most highly sought of uh, in terms of when I always look to be able to try and get my, uh, my, my Rangers uh, fix, I think, in terms of where I can get them from. But I'm going to put you onto the test now and say that give me your correct score against Cove Rangers and in the assumption that you think that we'll score some goals, who do you think will score them? Uh,
0: I think it'll be 6-0.
1: 6-0, OK. 6-0,
0: yeah. I think we'll see a 10 player parts So who you will probably score. I think we'll see Scott Wright score. I think we will see, um, let's think, Probably maybe score for a corner. Let's, let's go for Jack Simpson. And John McLaughlin will come up for the last minute. <laughs> Is that five green
1: scores? Something like, I don't. I kind of lost, when you started saying about Jack Simpson, I don't know if you meant <laughs> him scoring directly from a corner as and he's taking it, and it just flies in at the back stick. But I know I, what you mean. I, Jack I, Simpson's on just, just corner. Just pick that out as well. Adam Thornton told me that, man. Yeah. What I'll, uh, right, OK, so um, what I'll do, folks, is I'll uh, I'll put Andy's email address into the description <laughs> of the show so that if we get put out of the Scottish Cup 2-0 by Cove Rangers, you'll know to blame Andy McGowan for his, his massive overconfidence. Yeah, I think, listen, um, without being too disrespectful to Cove Rangers, I think the game should take care of itself. I, I would hope for us to win by at least three or four goals, so I would say let's uh, get the opportunity to come back and uh, come back with a bang as well Um, last thing folks, just to uh, give you a little update as well I I mentioned it earlier on our Patreon site patreon.com forward slash heart and hand please head on over to it if you want to come and join Um, 5,500 uh, Rangers fans who join us every single day with the daily update we've got shows about four or five a day that come out, the content is absolutely massive um, and it gives me an incredible amount of pleasure to say that uh, we can confirm that Trophy Day which is going to be uh, against Aberdeen um, at Ibrox, we are going to be one of the match sponsors, Rangers are doing a kind of virtual partnership sponsor of the event, we last did a game sponsorship uh, back in February against Dundee United uh, and previously um, we did one against St Mirren we've got a 100% record I might add, um, it's like we've we've totally went beyond the, the heart and hand sponsored curse uh, but it's paid for by the listeners we want to put money back into the club, it's the whole point of why we do it, um, and if it wasn't for them, you know, we all wouldn't be here so if you want to come over and join us it would be wonderful to have you, and as I say you get to listen to my own tones and if that doesn't put you off? Then you can get the soothing bam of of Andy's dulcet um, financial descriptions. Andy, is that are you the financial advisor? Is that what we can call you now? Are you a consultant? Do we pay you by the hour? What what is it that goes on here? Uh, uh, gobshite, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> see, see, just what I was just why say see how they've sponsored the that the title, the trophy day. Yes. Did you, know, did you know it's Edgar that presents a trophy?
1: Uh, well, my thought process was, as soon as he said that, I was like, he's going to get a replica of that trophy and just keep it in the house or something like that for the dogs to sit and lick or something like that. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. if he's He'll have one day's way into it somehow. You know he'll, what he's like. He'll,
0: he'll go onto the podium. He'll be wearing the same shoes, trousers, jacket, tie, and a wee jumper of Stevie Gerrard. And they'll go, hi, Stephen. Get yeah, the, hi, Stephen. Hi, how are you, Stephen? Hi, how are you? Good morning and then he'll hand the trophy and then he'll, he'll just stand there like a wee boy
1: uh, yeah, yeah, and, and listen, do you know what? He works, I was going to say he works hard He hardly works, so you know he, he deserves it somehow Nah, you we're only kidding We love you David, you know that uh, Right, listen folks, as I say uh, We will be back with you on Monday with the flagship Where the aforementioned Mr Edgar uh, We'll be back on to talk about the, the, the Cove Rangers result come uh, Win uh, or, or defeat We will be back with you on Monday uh, And again, like you say, it's been an absolute pleasure To talk to you this week, Andy, thank you uh, For coming on and joining me my pleasure, Cammy. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you to our executive producers in London, Mr Mike and Mr Paul Myers. And we'll speak to you again on Monday, folks. Enjoy the game. Thanks.